Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Strong Docs podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Seth Myers, uh, and today we've got uh, one of our first guests, uh, Ashton Reichman, uh, doctor of physical therapy. Uh, he's in Wichita, Kansas, and uh, a little bit about him. He is a physical therapist, like I had mentioned, um, and an avid powerlifter. Uh, so strength sport athlete there, uh, but he came into powerlifting through sports, primarily wrestling and football. Um, he eventually played football at Emporia State, which is a Division II university in Kansas, um, and so developing some strength for sport-specific tasks there, um, so maybe we can touch a bit about that, uh, but I don't want to talk too long. I'll let him introduce himself a little bit more. So Ashton, welcome to the show. Um, tell us, tell the listeners a little bit more about you. Yeah, Seth, thanks for having me. Um, so like you said, played college football at Emporia State. Um, and before there, I lived outside of Wichita, grew up in a small town of Mays. And we had in our neighborhood a whole bunch of kids. So growing up, we were just always really active, which I think uh, lends itself towards health in the long term. But uh, after school was over, after undergrad was over at Emporia State, I my body was kind of beat up. And so a little bit about my fitness journey, I guess. Body was beat up after playing college football. So I didn't do any lifting for over two years. And while I was in physical therapy school with Matt Brockelman, one of your previous guests, he started challenging me a little bit to uh, walk the talk and get back into it all because I was always bringing up, you know, kind of giving him a little bit of crap here and there about being a meathead and stuff and telling him how. And then I brought up how much we used to lift in college. And so he challenged me to start it up again and fell back in love with it after I had learned how to do it, how to do all the lifts perfectly or more perfectly, I guess, and um, focus on form and progression and be responsible and all the rehab and prehab stuff that we were learning in PT school helped with all that. So just graduated PT school in May and started my job at an outpatient orthopedic clinic two weeks ago. Awesome. So that, that brings us to today. <clears throat> yeah. So um, for the listeners, so I met Ashton, um, uh, what is it? A little over a year ago now. Yeah, um, the, April him, last year. Yeah, him and uh, Matthew, one of the uh, docs, they were both doing a powerlifting meet the same weekend in uh, town I was living in in Kansas. It was kind of funny. I actually had a meet that same weekend too. So you guys came and watched me lift. What was that? Saturday, and then we watched you guys lift Sunday. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, it was a pretty cool weekend. Um, yeah, so that was watched cool. Those guys lift. Um, put up some pretty awesome numbers, and I think all of us took home some hard work, so that was pretty fun. Yeah, but, um, Success, so, successful weekend. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Um, so let's tell them a little bit. So what you just said there was, uh, I guess, a little intriguing. Um, you said you kind of got back into the lift, so let's kind of maybe walk through that a little bit. So what did sure. maybe that process look like? How long did it take for you to feel maybe comfortable doing the squat, bench, deadlift? So that's what our powerlifting movements are. Um, how long did it take you to feel comfortable doing those well, even though you had already had years under your belt of lifting? Yeah, so um, yeah, I'd started lifting back uh, before high school with my older brother. He took me into the weight room when I was in seventh 
grade, I think, for the first time and started showing me around. And I, you know, I enjoyed it. I saw the utility that it had in helping me as an athlete, uh, getting bigger and stronger and faster. So I always enjoyed it. And then um, through high school, we had a good lifting program in the off seasons and uh, weightlifting classes and stuff throughout the year. So I was always involved in it. And then college came around and you just kind of wear your body down over four or five years, however long you stick around for at a red shirt year. So um, I was always trying to get bigger, put on more weight, uh, get up and break that 225 barrier that I could never get to. And, yeah. uh, and so I, I wasn't necessarily educated about what it was I was doing as far as supplements and recovering. So, you know, lift hard on, yeah, and through, I think, the, through the week and then drink on the weekends. and <laughs> Exactly. So I was going to say, I think a lot of college athletes um, can relate in the sense that, well, one, we're a little bit younger, so our bodies can handle a little bit more fatigue, a little bit more uh, of the stress that we put on in the weight room. Absolutely. Um, so you really can kind of ground yourself down pretty, pretty significantly, like, before anything starts, any alarm bells start going off. So yeah, totally can relate to that. Um, so then you go through college ball, um, and then you were just worn down, took some time off. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember after our last game, uh, it would have been like the middle of November in uh, 2013 now or something like that. And I took I was so ready to just be, I was kind of done, you know, mm -hmm. tired, tired in all aspects. And I took six weeks off from doing anything. Didn't hardly leave the couch, just sat there, played video games, binge watched Netflix. And then, and I was done with school at the end of that semester too. So. Oh, you're had, done, done. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that was enjoyable for like a couple weeks. And then I started <laughs> just to feel terrible, um, after being used to, so much activity uh, so then I kind of I got back into exercising a little bit but it was like I'm gonna go jog a little bit stretch a little bit do some push-ups and sit-ups and I kind of had this like oh I don't know how to put it an aversion to the barbell because I thought yeah. I don't need that anymore you know I'm over it uh, I'll just get healthy and I tried that for a while and it wasn't really helping. I wasn't feeling much better. My, you know, the joint aches and the muscle strains and everything weren't really getting any better. Um, I was just shrinking. And so, uh, my wife or my, my wife now, my, she was my girlfriend at the time. I had gone from like 215, 220 down to just around 200 pounds uh, over the course of that. Lost all years. your gains. Yeah. I lost all my muscle mass and she hugged me one day and she just kind of like, was patting me and she's like, where are, where is all of you? You know? Oh, uh, like, that's gotta be the worst. Yeah. She's like, you're like a skinny little bitch now. Just, just messing with me. But I was like, yeah, you're right. I kind of compared to where I was, I am yeah. now. And so I was that's telling cool. Matt about that in school in class one day. And, and he's a guy that, um, he's so focused and driven and like, uh, really regiments his life in a, you know, productive way, like, yeah, uh, keeps his priorities straight. And so he was always going over between class and fitting in his lifts throughout the week. And I was at first like, 
oh, when we have a break from class, I just want to go home and sleep and yeah. take a nap and <clears throat> chill. But anyway, I started getting back into it with him January of 2016, I believe it was. And at first, getting back, doing deadlifts, which I was never really proficient with. We hadn't done them a lot in college. Never had any coaching on how to do it. But I thought, I'll let Matt, you know, lead the way. I'll buy in, let him coach me up on everything. And I'd always been a pretty good squatter and pretty good bencher. But started working back into it, and I kind of told him, look, I'll follow your lead, but uh, I'm not going to thrash anything too hard at this point just because there's no need. So started working, and then I kind of started getting in the groove over the course of the first month or two feeling better with the lifts and all of a sudden that kind of competitive streak came back when I'm like, all right, I guess I I'm getting close to Matt and all these lifts. So I'm going to start trying to beat him. Um, and so then that was really fun when it started to get competitive and let's put a little disclaimer here. So what did you weigh and what did Matt weigh at the time? Do you remember? Uh, Oh yeah. So, uh, when we started, I would have been about two Oh five two ten range and, I think Matt was somewhere around 170. Yeah. And so, so like, what do you remember what weight classes you guys competed at in the meet in Manhattan? Yeah, I was in the uh, 100, 110 kilo class. And then, so I weighed in at 230. That one goes up to 240. And then Matt was in the. He was like 160 something, wasn't he? Yeah. So whatever that would be, 75 kilos or something yeah. like that. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. so you're you're starting to get more and more competitive. But the thing that I want to point out is the fact that uh, it's not like you hopped on like riding a bike. It's not like you jumped back into the program and all of a sudden you're hitting PRs or all of a sudden right. you were extremely comfortable deadlifting squatting and benching you were yeah. uh you know able to kind of take a back seat to i guess matthew uh showing you how to do some of the things you were doing even mm-hmm. though you had years and years of doing those things so that's mm-hmm. something i want to point out to, to people that are listening or people who are tuning in is even people who have done stuff like this like lifting fitness like it's still you know a process And you don't have to have things mastered within the first couple of weeks or within the first couple of months even. And so I think that's the big barrier to entry that a lot of people see or have mentally Mm -hmm. is they think, you know, this maybe now because things are more prevalent on Facebook and Instagram where they see people doing all this different stuff. They think that they need to have things figured out um, in terms of what they should be doing in terms of, um, sets and reps in terms of like maybe even pushing big numbers when in reality it's uh, about doing it well and getting comfortable doing those things so yeah, yeah. I had I really had no intentions for the longest time of well probably for six eight months I think of actually you know competing in a powerlifting meet we were doing the big three uh, bench squat and deadlift and then adding some other stuff in there you know the curls for the for cool, curls for yeah. my girl, <laughs> curls for Matt to find a girl. Um, and we were, we were really critical um, of each other. Um, what's where I'm over? Constructively critical, yeah. you know, when, when we're squatting or deadlifting, like, hey, you're starting around your back or you have a butt wink or you're getting a little too far forward. And same thing on bench and all the lifts. Like, 
Um, and we, we wanted that from one another. Um, it's always great to have a, an extra pair of sure. eyes there that, that know what they're looking at and can tell you where you need to improve it and, you know, not grinding out reps. And you see a lot of that. I go to the YMCA. It's a few, about a mile from my house. Um, and Wichita has the best YMCAs in the country. So if you're listening elsewhere, uh, our YMCAs are kind of like the designer gyms are elsewhere. And uh, see a lot of the kind of meathead types in there, and they're just always using momentum to get every rep done and stuff like that. Um, that leads to injuries. So if you're seeing that as a as a beginner going into the weight room, uh, don't follow <laughs> that pattern at all. Um, I would advise people like a book like Starting Strength. Uh, it's not perfect, but I think it's, it has a great. Yeah. Purpose well, I mean, for beginners. Yeah, the name is in the title, right? Start yeah, right. right. And, and I agree. I, there's a lot of things that I might not agree with uh, Mark Ripto's uh, opinions uh, to a T, you know, mm-hmm. 100%. But I totally agree that that is an amazing place to start from, right? Mm-hmm. And then build from yep. that. Yep. Um, and so let's briefly just mention, and then we can move forward. Uh, so starting out, I don't know what your numbers were, but at the meet that I saw you guys at, do you remember the the numbers that you hit? Or like, I'm, I guess, more concerned about deadlifting. Yeah. That's the only yeah. thing I care about. <laughs> yeah, I guess all numbers drop. So my squat was 573. Uh, bench press was 358. And that's a paused bench for anyone yeah. out there. And then deadlift, I hit 600 even, which was like a – 25 pound PR for me. So I was pretty stoked about that because as I mentioned, that's not my lift, but um, the crowd was, you know, had me amped amped up up a little bit. And yeah, yeah, so that was really fun. But um, yeah, it took me like, I don't, let's see, a year, almost a year and a half um, to get back to that. And I was, I had similar numbers in college. and so, yeah, a year and a half to work back into that slowly but surely, you know, week after week. And that's that's the big thing. Um, again, going back to people who are kind of starting or restarting their fitness journey, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. don't want to make it, you know, too uh, inspirational or anything. But people have a lot of enthusiasm. And the New Year's resolution thing, you know, is uh, I'm going to kill it six days a week. and you know, lose 40 pounds in the next two months or something like that. And people have this just uh, explosion of enthusiasm for the first little bit and they go hard every day. And then, you know, a month later, six weeks later, they wonder why they're already burned out. So I wouldn't, I always encourage people who are trying to get started again or get started for the first time to bottle up that enthusiasm and just use a couple drops of enthusiasm every day you know, to over the long term help them be a little bit more consistent and um, just to avoid that burnout. You know, uh, yeah. if you're not if you're not working out at all to all of a sudden try and go six days a week, uh, if you're, you know, you have a kid, you know, it's that's possible if you have kids, if you have a job that's long hours. So I tell people, try two days a week to, yeah. do, to do physical activity <laughs> or exercise that, you enjoy if that's tennis or whatever um 
jogging, riding a bike, just do two days a week. And then from, and then you build on that after a couple months, you get sure. into a groove and once two it days becomes, is easy. Yeah, once it becomes a habit for them, yeah, they can snowball it. And they should know beginners, and this is really for any skill or anything you want to do. I'm sure all of us have things in life that we want to work on. It's okay. It's totally okay to do things terrible, absolutely like not yeah. very good. And what I mean in terms of lifting, I don't necessarily mean like bad form, but I mean like maybe you don't feel like you got a great workout or maybe you feel like you didn't get a workout at all. You just went to the gym and did a few things and, and then you left. But the thing is you went there, right? But it's okay to do things like bad for like a month because within a year cycle, if you look at that, that first month sets you on that path for building a habit. And then maybe that second month you do the same you know, number of days. So maybe it's only two days at the gym, but now you're feeling really good about those two days. Right. And then yep. that next month, maybe you can add a third day yep. and then pretty soon you start feeling really good about those three days. And so that's something I really want to like point out is I think all of us have had that experience where it's not like you hit the ground running. You're probably doing stuff. A lot of people are probably doing stuff and they like, like you or like me or like Matthew, I'm sure when you're in high school or when you're a bit younger, maybe when you're first starting out, regardless of age, it's you're doing stuff and you're not really sure what the heck you're doing. You're just doing stuff, right? Yeah. But eventually it becomes something that you do. So anyway, so let's move on. So I want to, um, with your background of uh, college athletics to a pretty high level, um, with your background of competing on a platform and obviously with your background, uh, as a physical therapist. So what are some of the things that you, let's go maybe top three. We can kind of talk through them as we go. Top okay. three things in terms of advice you would give uh, somebody, uh, let's say total novice newbie um, to starting and sticking to their fitness, health and wellness regimen. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. I'm Num think here. Yeah. Number one, is going to be set a set several goals at least one goal but several is even better you know um, if that's uh, a weight loss goal or um, run a 5k or do a tough mutter or um, you know hit your old maxes or something that you did in college or some some weight number that you want to lift but I think with setting goals, they need to be very specific and very objective. So, um, so you can't just say, Oh, I just want to feel good. Right. Not yeah. Very I, objective. Right. You want to yeah, say I, like, I want to get to X number of pounds lifted or I want to get. To yeah. Nice. yeah. Cause if you, if you say, I just want to get in better shape. Well, if you work out three days, two or three days a week for a month, you're in better shape than you were. So your goals are accomplished. We might not, we might not feel as if you were right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But if, but if you say like, you know, day one, you go out and you run a mile and it takes you, you know, 16 minutes and you can say, okay, I want to run a mile in 10 minutes. And then you go out and you run a mile a couple times a week. You know, that's a, a very basic goal, but that's kind of the, the pattern I think to follow. Um, and if it's lifting, you know, I want to, I want to squat X amount, bench press X amount and deadlift X amount yeah. and figure out where you are and set a date that you want to do that by. And okay, so how many pounds a month or a week do I need to put on my lifts to get there? And 
Yeah. Um, so I just want to so touch on that real one. fast. Yeah, yeah. I want to touch on that. So I love it. I love having a goal. Um, and I like what you just said there at the end, having a specific timeline. So uh, those obstacle course races that are getting way more popular, you know, your Tough Mudder, so on and mm -hmm. so forth. Those are great because you can log in and say, oh, I'm going to do this in September, right? Mm -hmm. yep. And so now you've got something that's holding you to, or you j you're just going to get beat up in September or whatever, you know, <laughs> if that's what you want to do. But, you know, like I... And I know that my training gets way better and way more focused when I have a meet coming up. So whether that meet is six weeks out or 12 weeks out, like once I sign up for that meet, um, I kind of get that tunnel vision more or less, right? Way more yeah. than if I didn't. Because I could, I could sit here and say, oh, I want to snatch, let's say 120 kilos, right? Um, but if I don't have a meet coming up, like my my programming just doesn't really – give me those results that I'd like to see. So I, I like that idea of setting a goal, but I really am a huge fan of pulling the trigger on a very specific date. And if you were a strength sport athlete, I really, really like, you know what, let's find a meet and let's sign up for that meet and let's get that on the calendar because that's really going to lie a little bit of fire underneath you to get mm -hmm. you rolling. And then it, yeah. people who aren't strength sport sport athletes you can do the same same exact thing you know pick a date on your calendar and circle it um or you know sign up for those ob obstacle course races those are really really fun really really cool um but they give you something to to train for i mean no one wants to go out and let's face it like look bad or be embarrassed when they do something <laughs> like that right like yeah you might not be trying to get the best time ever but you don't want to be the person who's at the back of your group that's doing it um, or the last person to finish. So, um, those are really, really great things. So, uh, that's yeah. point number one. Okay. Point number two, what would you say? Point number two. Okay. This is kind of like a double, I guess. Um, so assuming that this is going out to listeners who are getting started for the first time or restarting and, and like maybe they have always lifted under the direction of a coach or something and they don't know how to do it how to how to write programs how to write up workouts for themselves um, one is find a trainer who's qualified and um, the way you know they're qualified i mean i think any trainer should do an assessment on you how you move sit down and talk to you and really get to know you and what your goals are and what your history is and uh, screen for you know joint pain or muscle pain before they get you started on workouts and along with having that trainer is to find a partner who can go with you. Cause one that's going to probably save you money if you're going two on or, you know, two people with the yeah, trainer as a group and, and yeah. And find a, but find a partner who will challenge you whether they're at your exact same level or not. You know, if, um, that could be your boyfriend or girlfriend, husband or wife, and you guys can just encourage one another and challenge one another, keep each other accountable. And having just having that little bit of, you know, somebody who's going to make that comment like, oh, you didn't get your workout in today or you didn't get to the gym or you slack, you were slacking today. That that is helpful to um, prod you along just a little bit more and make you give a little bit more effort. Thanks. Yeah, <clears throat> I want to so. touch on the first thing you said, find a, a trainer or a coach. Um, so strong docs offers one uh, on one coaching as well um, as template coaching. So a little shameless plug there. Yeah, no, I was um, trying to lead you into that plug, yeah, so perfect. you're welcome. Um, but no, I totally agree. So uh, 
everyone's unique and this might, you know, maybe go against what I'm saying here um, in terms of the templates that we have, but if you can find somebody who's going to work with you and the templates. So let me just preface this, I guess this is talking about uh, something we offer is those templates are, if you look at, I guess the word template, it's a base idea for what you can potentially do. Right. And so when we give somebody that template uh, product, they can follow it to a T 100% and that's great. Uh, but some people they're going to do it and they're going to be absolutely destroyed day one. Some people might do it and they will be like, you know, that workout was pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Some of it is dependent on the weights that they pick, but you can pick and choose and kind of work through that template as you see fit. And I think they're super, super awesome starting points. They use really great periodization, so on and so forth. But finding a trainer finding somebody even if it's only for like uh, a handful of sessions so you can get on the right track right yeah i think is really really important yeah um, um so and, yeah go ahead so this is still along with point number two with the trainer um, and this is you know kind of plugging the rehab professionals um if you're somebody who has you know you've tried to work out before and you know and an old knee injury or something flares up or your back kills you, your shoulder uh, just can't make it through any sort of workout. That's that needs to go back to goal number or to, you know, step number one is going to be find a rehab professional who can help you work through that and get you back to a place where you can go do the workouts you want to do, the activities that you want to do. Because if you try and push through that, I've seen this, um, you know, I've only been, licensed for two weeks but uh we go through about a year of clinical rotations and you see people all the time who come in they got back into working out and they thought if i just kept pushing through the shoulder pain if i just kept pushing through the back pain i thought it would work itself out and um, a lot of times that's not the case so um, along with finding a trainer and a partner is going to be making sure that you're in a position as far as your muscles and your joints that you're ready to start working out. So uh, maybe this might be a plug for either of us again, but if someone has, let's say joint pain, uh, shoulder pain, knee pain, back pain, like who do you think that they should approach or go to first? I think uh, in most States you're probably gonna have to go see your doc, your uh, primary care physician first, your doctor to get a referral to go to physical therapy or to go see a chiropractor. I don't know how the how the or the reference to chiropractors work. work yeah, yeah. Uh, chiros you, you, chiros in the majority of states are uh you don't you don't need a referral okay so, so yeah in kansas you don't need a referral for chiropractic or pt yeah and i tell people that when i see them in the clinic all the time um my clinic is actually inside of an orthopedic group which actually practices very conservatively um so i don't have anything negative to say about uh, how they practice at all. Um, but I see people who go through the PCP route who get referred to an ortho who then go towards injections or surgery or order MRIs. And the vast majority of cases, I think that's not needed. And I know we're kind of going on a little bit of a tangent here, but um, good I like, I like uh, PTs and I like chiros and a very good chiro and a very good PT are going to do very, very similar treatment in terms mm-hmm. of getting you out of pain and getting you functioning better. That's yeah. my little spiel or soapbox, I suppose. So Yeah, and as far as – I know on the PT side, if you want to find a PT who is going to be knowledgeable 
in the realm or more knowledgeable in the realm of sports and performance type stuff, you can get on, oh man, I'm, I'm going to have to go back and look up the website now. Those may, may, maybe you can uh, put this a link in the show notes, but yeah, yeah. So you can find a specialist who has an OCS or an SCS. Yeah. So the OCS is the orthopedic clinical specialist. SCS is a sports clinical specialist. So those, briefly, those people are going to be yeah. more qualified to uh, get you back to lifting, running, um, and all of those sorts of activities. And yeah. If, so for the somebody on, go ahead. So for the listeners who don't know, those are uh, specializations within the PT world where you have to go through more hours of training. Uh, to and take a test and pass a very rigorous test to get those distinctions. So if you see someone who has the letters OCS or SCS at the end of their name who is a PT, then they have probably done their homework. Definitely. And if you can't find one of those in your area, shop around, get online and look at the different clinics and um, get a feel for what they provide. Ask friends, have you been to a PT who... Um, seems to know what they're talking about in terms of um, sports-oriented, performance-oriented, fitness-oriented goals. So I don't know if, like, for the Cairo side of things, um, if there are resources to look for, like, your your uh, group that you're with. Because, you know, the old model for – a lot of people think of with Kairos, at least I do as a PT, is, like, go get your, you know, snap, crackle, pop, and then sure. you're out the door. And I know you guys do um, a lot different, you know, so much more than that. Yeah. yeah. So, so I guess if you um, haven't, well, uh, I, just yeah. kind of describe your treatment model or you know what you guys. Yeah. So um, with the company that I work for, um, the company is called Arosti, and we're in a handful of different states. But we provide it's more orthopedic slash uh, sports medicine based care. But that doesn't mean that's all that we treat. But in terms of the conditions that we treat, that's that's kind of uh, our bread and butter. Um, as a chiro, I guess low back pain is kind of number one. But typical treatment will be thirty minutes of doing more hands on manual therapy based stuff. Just trying to get things feeling better and moving a little bit better. Uh, kind of desensitize the the person, but we definitely follow that up with 30 minutes of doing rehab-based care. And so when someone comes to see us, like they're getting a lot of treatment and we're not really adjusting very often uh, because we don't necessarily need it because with what we do with active care, with what we send people home with, like once they start doing that and following a program, like they don't need to get snapped and crackled and popped, right? They just need someone right. to sit down, talk to them about their condition, educate them, um, let them know the best evidence for what they're dealing with. And I think a good, again, a good Cairo or a good PT is going to do the same thing across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, again, like I could talk about this for or ever, but let's go to your <laughs> third point. Um, Somebody who is a novice or new to their fitness journey um, and they want to, you know, just stay with it. I'm sure all of us have had that time where they've fallen off um, and they just, but, you know, we want to give them advice to try and stick with it as best they can. What do you say? I'm a big fan. Like your second one was really good. Like I'm a really big fan of a training partner. Yeah. So I know you already said that, but. If you and someone else have very similar goals, <clears throat> you both 
have a very similar schedule. You can go to the gym together. Um, one day you might have a great day. The other person might have a crummy day mm -hmm. because you can kind of balance each other out. Like it ends up being a good day overall. And so if someone doesn't have a training partner, that's something that I really, really encourage you to do no matter what style of training you're doing, whether it's CrossFit, whether it's bodybuilding, whether it's powerlifting, um, whether you're just doing, you know, your normal steady state, uh, long cardio endurance space stuff. Yeah. Um, so I guess goal or point number three, tip number three, uh, this works for me anyway. So I'm, more of a delayed gratification kind of person. I, I'm okay with not seeing things right away, knowing that, you know, in the long term it'll pay off. Sort Have of you thing. heard of the, so, uh, the marshmallow test? Uh, -uh. Oh, so, Oh yeah. The psychology experiment. Yeah. Where, yeah so we don't have to talk what about was that. It? So go ahead. Okay. Go yeah, ahead. yeah. Um, so for me through all this, you know, I, I, I like lifting weights. I want to get new number or higher numbers and stuff. And, and I like the physique improvements, you know, looking healthier, looking better, looking more fit. But the the foundation of what keeps me going is um, the research on lifetime activity and exercise hours and the correlation, direct correlation between that and um, health and wellness later into your life. So and longevity. Um, yeah, longevity. And if you know, and also just decreased morbidity. So decreased rates of diabetes and cardiovascular disease and uh, musculoskeletal or orthopedic conditions that hamper your mobility and your, your ability to enjoy your life. So, so what you're, what you're telling me is people who exercise more tend to live longer, healthier lives. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yep. So let's dive pretty in. basic, but, yeah, but uh, to make that a tip, I think just keep that if people can keep the end goal in mind, you know, um, your body isn't going to turn into a, a cover model's body overnight or over the course of a year. But if you keep in mind every day what the end goal is, which is being healthy, living a healthy, happier life and being around for your loved ones longer. Um, if nothing else, I think that can help people kind of stay Maybe not stay focused in the short term, but remind them why they need to get back into it. Yeah. Or why they let's, need to stay with it. Let's break that down just a bit. So we say exercise. That's pretty generic. So is there a mm -hmm. specific type of exercise that's been shown to be maybe superior to other types? Yeah. So uh, they used to kind of the old, the old school thing was, and this is like talking more with older adults, uh, people in their, 60s 70s 80s you know get out and walk go for a nice brisk walk and that was kind of it seemed to be that's the advice people you know, a lot of these baby boomers have gotten and nothing wrong with going for a walk get fresh air enjoy walking with your wife or your friends if you're in a walking club or whatever it is it's great cardiovascular exercise and i recommend staying with that but um, the type of exercise that is going to help you keep your mobility, which is, you know, the ability to walk on uneven ground, go upstairs, get off the toilet, get out of bed more easily is going to be strength training. That's going to help keep your muscle mass. Um, as you age, our bodies are on a decline from about the time we're in our mid twenties. So, uh, we peak 
somewhere between 18 and 25, 18 and 30, somewhere in there. Depends person to person, but we spend most of our lives on a slow decline, and that decline speeds up towards the end. And you might not notice it till you hit some sort of threshold where all of a sudden you can't get up the stairs without, you know, a huge effort or getting up out of a deep chair. Your favorite chair is hard. So for older people, that's a big problem. And that's a reason why people end up in um, a nursing home is just they, they can't get around in their own home and they can't get around out in the community. And so strength training is one, it's going to help you keep your muscle mass. Um, so you won't be frail. Um, you won't get that thin, um, is it cachexia that older <laughs> people get when they kind of, you can see them, they've withered away. There's not much left of them anymore. And it's going to help keep strength training will help you keep that power, which is going to be helpful. Say, uh, if you're an older person, Wanting to play you, with your grandkids or something, right? Yeah, want, yeah, wanting to chase your kids, your grandkids around, wanting to pick them up without, throw, you know, hurt hurting your back. And uh, I mean, knees, so. I just want to mention this uh, real quick. I was on a a big kick about this uh, a couple years ago. It's uh, as much as people maybe don't want to talk about it. Uh, it's a big deal. Uh, geriatric population in falls, and mm-hmm. so, um, and the research just getting up and down from the floor. Uh, without using very many different points of support is really, really a good uh, outcome marker for, uh, like you already said, morbidity. Yeah. So, yeah, I have a patient right now, actually. Yeah. Go ahead. Keep keep going, Seth. Oh, so I was just going to say, like, I see patients who are a little bit older, and you can, if you want to, you can straight up ask them, when was the last time you – literally got down onto the floor and uh, sat down or laid down. And Mm -hmm. I would guess the vast majority would say not, you know, hardly ever within the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And just the skill of getting up and down from the floor, it can be, you know, life changing for a lot of people. But if someone, let's say, let's, you know, say someone was to have a fall, have they, if they haven't gotten up and down from the floor in a couple of years, the skill of getting back up can be very, very challenging. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, you're talking about some strength training. If you've got muscle mass to do that, you could have maybe some sort of injury and probably still get up from the floor. Yep. The other side to that, though, is with the strength training that you're talking about, when we age, that strength training is going to help build some muscle mass. So that's going to be able to help us get up and down but it's also going to help build muscle density. So when people break, let's say break their hips and fall. Bone density. What I say? Muscle density. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that too. Uh, So anyway, so um, when people break their hip and have a fall, that happens a lot. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they will fall and then break their hip because of the fall. Uh, But there's a decent amount of time where it's the opposite. They will literally, their hip will break. Because the bone density is so thin. Mm -hmm. And then after that break, they will fall. And so if we can get people um, who are past the age that you would consider, you know, uh, I guess, uh, standard strength training age, if we can get those people doing a little bit of resistance training, it could be like literally life changing. Um, Because I can't, like I've had uh, just within my life here, 
a handful of people, um, you know, wives, grandparents, grandparents of my own that maybe have had a fall. And if you ever get a phone call and say, Oh, someone or so-and-so fell like, well, if I fell, that's not a big deal. But if your 70 year old grandmother falls down, like that's a big deal. Well, you know, if you do a little bit of resistance training, like just falling down, like might not be a big deal. Right. Yep. Anyway, well, again, so to put the, the, the gravity of, of falls into perspective, um, I might not have the exact percentages, but it's something like after a fall, uh, I think people 75 and older, I want to say, um, 30% will die within the first month after a fall. 30% will die within the next year and out of the rest, some large percentage never really return to the pre-fall level of mobility. And then, in your, so, and yeah, I might have I, to, it's yeah. something like that. So nobody quote but me I, on that, but yeah, but I, but I like those stats because it's real. Like, yeah, yeah. Sit here and ignore it. But, and then, but the, what that, those stats uh, beg is why do falls happen? And so mm -hmm. in my opinion, I think falls happen because of muscle weakness, bone mm -hmm. fragility. And mm -hmm. I think those things specifically and lack of stability. And I think yep. those three things specifically can have a uh, drastic um, increase if we added some resistance training. Mm -hmm. That's my opinion. I don't know what your opinion is, but yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. So there's, you can see this with older patients. They, they take smaller steps. They're stooped over a little bit. And it's, it's all part of a process that is kind of, a lot of times it starts with a fear of falling. Maybe they've had a friend or a relative that fell and they saw how serious of a thing that was. And so there's this fear of falling. So they don't move quite as much. They don't move as with as large of an amplitude, taking as big of steps or, um, bounding up the stairs with quite as much effortlessness. Um, and when you do that, when you, when you shorten your step length and you don't move quite as much because you're worried about falling, then your movement quality decreases, your, your strength plummets, and then all of a sudden you're at an increased risk of falls because you've been so cautious being scared of the fall. And you um, eventually that, that – so fear of falling is, is a huge – risk factor for falling. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but with, if you, you know, if you strength train, you keep that muscle mass, you keep your ability to take those big steps. If maybe even if something gets in the way and you catch your toes or you yeah, kind of trip over I, I something mean, or I, somebody bumps into you, you I have just, the strength to move. And Yeah. I just stepped on one of my daughter's toys last night and almost fell to the couch. <laughs> I mean, it, it literally, and I'm a relatively, you know, uh, decent sized male, younger with uh i would say pretty good reflexes and stepped on a little toy didn't see it and i could have fallen over like that literally could happen to anybody so yep. let's quickly define and then i want to move on to the next thing probably be okay. the last thing we talk about but let's quickly define cool. you, you keep saying strength training or resistance training yeah yep. so what does that look like what does that mean for most people okay so because i could go to the gym get on a machine and like do some you know like bench press, that's kind of like cabled into this machine. Um, mm -hmm. But what is like resistance training or strength training, you know, really look like? So I, the way I've always thought of it, and this may or may not be correct, but I kind of put resistance training as an umbrella term. 
that um, encompasses or covers everything from uh, strength training and powerlifting and Olympic lifting and all the different forms, you know, kettlebell training, um, and then even just, you know, body weight training, um, like some of the martial arts guys are big on. But so what resistance training, if you wanted to broadly define that, would a good resistance training program is an exercise program that has you working all of your major muscle groups and through their full range of motion and using somewhere using weight that allows you to complete somewhere between mm, six and 15 repetitions for most people that's going to be adequate um you know two three four sets of each exercise and so um, going back to powerlifting a little bit the reason powerlifting i think is popular um guys see that as those are kind of those are three exercises that are working every muscle group in your body when you combine all three of them you've got to work out in all of the major muscle groups by doing those three lifts now i take issue with that a little bit i think that's a little bit minimalist and there's some other things that should be involved in there um you go to like kelly starrett and dan john guys like that who think of the six archetypes or the six things that you need to do can you still hear me yeah sorry just okay okay mute my okay. just so i wouldn't okay really with clicking so so the six uh six archetypal movements they're called which are the six movements that human beings need to be able to do to function and um these go back to like what you could consider natural human movements so the hip hinge, which is the deadlift, is picking something up off the floor. Everyone needs to be able to efficiently bend over and pick something up. The squat is what you need to get off, get out of a seated position. You need to be able to squat up from that efficiently. The push is like a push-up or a bench press. Um, so going back to getting yourself up off the floor, having the strength to push yourself up. Um, pulling, like a pull-up the ability to hang on to something and pull yourself up to it. Climbing, I guess would be something that maybe like hunter gatherers had to be able to do. And then what am I missing here? The overhead press. So lifting something up over your head, which is, you know, getting something up out of a cabinet or into a cabinet at home and the loaded carry, carrying your grocery bags, carrying a child and your uh, little baby carrier. Um, I'm missing one, I think. What am I missing? Anyway. So, so if someone has a program yeah. that, ha that incorporates most of those movements, most of those things, mm -hmm. then you're saying they're probably on pretty good track, whether they're yeah, 21 definitely. years old or 71 years old, right? Yep. So the last thing that I want to kind of ask and have you uh, talk about is, so the sport of powerlifting itself uh, you already mentioned bench or squat bench deadlift um, <clears throat> that when you're looking from the outside in can maybe be a little intimidating in terms mm -hmm. of the sport itself. It t tends to be, I guess, mm -hmm. very uh, well, one you're lifting for max weights. Um, but two, yep. it tends to be filled with, um, I don't know, guys with a very high intensity. Definitely. So, 
I think that powerlifting or those movements are like, you know, kind of vital to doing resistance training. So why maybe did you gravitate towards powerlifting and why maybe do you think that powerlifting or those movements, not necessarily the sport, um, are a really, really good thing for people to incorporate in their normal training? Okay. So I guess if the reason I was, I gravitated towards resistance training in the first place, which again is the umbrella term, um, as opposed to, you know, cardiovascular or more cardiovascular endurance type stuff like jogging or biking is because I'm just better at resistance training. I'm built more for it. I can't go out and jog four or six miles and, you know, feel good when I do it. So I like to lift weights. That's my preferred method of exercise to blow off stress and, and feel better. Um, the reason powerlifting attracted me is i guess i kind of mentioned this but i'll expand on it a little expand on it a little bit is the the deadlift the squat and the bench press make you they force you to use all the major muscle groups now not to the their full extent not through the the fullest range of motion but for most people, using those three is going to just make your body in general stronger. You might not get the sexy arms you're looking for, the toned abs from doing those, but doing those three movements, um, and those need to be scaled appropriately to a person's experience, to a person's strength level. Um, those are going to help your body get stronger overall. They're going to stimulate growth in all of your major muscle groups. and. Yeah, that's why I like them. Does that kind of answer that? Or Yeah, well, so why would maybe a novice want to gravitate towards those movements or maybe the sport of powerlifting? Like, is there a yeah. specific benefit to doing those? I mean, other so, than... Yeah, yeah, so with those three movements, they're, uh, you're using two limbs. It's stable, so on the barbell. Uh, you know, function the whole functional training way where you had people... Uh, doing stuff on a BOSU ball, yeah. and a stability ball, and you know, a lot of TRX stuff. Um, those things, some of those things have their place, like TRX bands for sure. But um, those three, uh, if you can start off with those and you have someone who can coach you on how to perform those movements well, those are going to help strengthen all your major muscle groups um, in a safe way, in a stable way. Um, you there's not like, you know, even doing a lunge, you can get some rotation in your back. Um, if you're not performing it correctly and that rotational stress can add up and the same, I mean, you can have certain stresses on certain joints, muscle groups, um, with the squat bench and deadlift, if you're performing them poorly, but, um, doing those three, yeah, they're, they're symmetrical movements from side to side and, um, it's a it's a quicker way of getting all your muscle groups worked than you know doing one leg at a time on like a little leg extension or leg curl machine. So you're kind of getting more bang for your buck. And for me, that's really important in terms of being efficient with my workouts. Is how can I get the most work done in the shortest amount of time? Um, I you know working full time and got two dogs now. We got a puppy a few months ago, so we're working on training her and keeping her from destroying everything. So you know, I give myself an hour and a half now just twice a week. And then throughout the week, I work on some other stuff in the mornings or evenings um, just to 
get some more exercise in, but if I can go in and um, get through those three lifts and a couple other little ones, I feel like I'm keeping up with my strength and um, staying strong. So. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I really, I really enjoy um, incorporating all those main lifts, um, a, a basic upper body push, upper body pull, upper or lower body push, lower body pull. Right. Yeah. Um, but doing it in a manner yeah. that is like you said, stable and going to give you a, a base, a solid base. Um, like, you know, you can't really, you can't really, you know, substitute those movements for something else that's going to give you the overall effect that those movements will. So yeah. anyway, so I think we covered uh, a wide variety of different things here. Um, I think people who are newer or novice to lifting or fitness will gain a lot of information from this. But with that being said, I think we like could easily talk for another hour or so. So we'll definitely have to have you on for. Another yeah, episode. I agree. Yeah. And, um, so where can people find maybe more information about you or is there a really good place to, to learn more about Dr. Ashton? Yeah. So, um, well, I was talking to Matt Brockman about this. I need to get on the gram, get my account going on you there. Don't have, you don't have Instagram. I don't have, I'm a holdout. Um, I actually, I, I deleted my Twitter app from my phone cause I was spending too much time reading posts from strength guys and PT guys on there. But I'll get back on Twitter. Uh, that's at Ashton Reichman, A-S-H-T-O-N-R-E-I-C-H-M-A-N-N. Um, and then, yeah, next time we talk, I'll have my Twitter or my uh, Instagram up. So there we go. people can find me on there. But, yeah, I'm in Wichita uh, at Advanced Physical Therapy, the West Wichita location. So, yeah, so anybody listening that's in that area, you know anybody, or if you specifically are dealing with any – aches pains and you need it checked out um see if you can get uh, either a referral or direct care through yeah uh dr reichman here yeah my, so my passion is helping people get back to activity exercise because i know how important that is uh, for you know for your mental health for one but physical health and longevity like we talked about so hopefully next time i'm on i'll be a little bit more uh concise with my answers no no it's good <laughs> That's good. Uh, but anyway, well. Yeah, so uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, if you haven't already, please leave us a review. We should be on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, so a five-star review would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Um, and then tell your friends to yeah. like and subscribe to our uh, podcast. Thanks, right. and bye-bye. Right.